Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello and welcome to the Near and Queer to My Heart podcast. I am your host, Amanda G. Thank you for tuning in. We're so happy to be here. Happy holidays. Yes, we finally put out an episode. I know it's been a couple months. I know it's been a little time. We've been working on it. We've been working hard. I think I said this in one of the last podcasts. I got married recently. She's been helping me make a podcast studio. Yes, a real live studio where I can record. We've got a bunch of interviews lined up. 2024 is looking good for Near and Queer to My Heart. And we're excited to be wrapping up 2023 with this episode. This performer She's amazing. She's amazing. I first saw her do burlesque a number of years ago. I've seen her so many times since. She's come and done my storytelling show, Greetings from Queer Mountain in New Orleans. And like I say in the interview, I just I learned so much about people by doing this podcast. I absolutely love it. And I learned so much about this next performer. So let's get to it. Let's get to G's Louise. Geez, I got to tell you this. I went to the Taylor Swift concert last night and I thought, hey, I can record a podcast after that because I'm a 40-year-old woman and I am not going to scream like a teenager uh, for three hours during this concert. And guess what happened during this concert? You know you did. (laughs) I did. (laughs) That's exactly what you did. I cried. I cheered. I screamed in volumes I didn't think I had in me still. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. No, now it takes two, three days recovery. The recovery gets longer and longer. Yeah, I know. And I, if I had money, I'd do it again today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, how, how, are, how are things with you? Uh, how's your voice doing? <laughs> I'm good. My voice is feeling great. I ain't screaming for nobody. So. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Yeah. We just we both just learned because um, the in our pre-show that your cat made an appearance. Jeez has a one-eyed cat and I also have a one-eyed cat. Oh, yeah. Mr. Kathy, I'm sure he'll be making an appearance during this recording at some point. They like to do that. They seem to know when you hit record, not when you're on the computer, but when you hit record or when you're on an important Zoom meeting. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm really excited uh, to, to interview you because I've, I've known you for years, like through performance and through other people. 
Yeah. But I haven't really like gotten to know, you know, your story. Who am I? Who is she? It is a good question. And we will get into that. Yeah, no, when, I think the first time I ever saw you was uh, the Spicy Brown Burlesque. Oh, the Rue? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was so many years ago. Good Lord. Yeah, that was probably 2014 or 15, yeah. No, that was, yeah, the POC Burlesque Festival and show put on by Blue Rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was crazy. That was, feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah, and you were like the special guest that like came into town for that. Yeah, that was when I was still in Chicago or St. Louis or somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I wanted to yeah. say Midwest, so I you just yeah. say Midwest. It's a general, yeah, the general Midwestern area. We don't know that. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. Yeah, I know. I wanted to say St. Louis. Is where? Do you live in St. Louis at some point? Yeah, that's where I was born and raised, and then I moved back for a couple of years, and then I went back to Chicago. So I bounced between Chicago and St. Louis. People, people really don't know. Like I know because I'm from California, and when I moved to the South, I did not understand how close things were. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, till I started driving around, it's like, oh, I can get to Mississippi in an hour. I can get to Alabama in two hours. I can get to Florida in three hours. I can get to Tennessee in five and a half hours. I was like, this isn't. Yeah. Like you can just go so many places and do so many things. Yeah, you can just go. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what I love about living in the middle of the country. <laughs> so it was this show, it was Blue Rain's show. And I was with my girlfriend, uh, Robin at the time. And she was so excited to have this a POC event that honored uh, POC burlesque performers. And, and so she bought us VIP tickets. We got VIP. Ooh. We were like front row. We were literally in the front center of the stage. And do you know how awkward it is watching like amazing burlesque um, with with, yeah. your, with your girlfriend while you're like right up front, like right there? Like yeah, I know because we're watching you watch us. Okay, <laughs> so we know. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, not even just a, not in a weird way, just in the like yeah, just too close. <laughs> you don't. You got to practice your face. You got to practice your faces. One time I went to this huge burlesque festival with my best friend and we didn't realize we were in the front row. And then they had the giant screens on the side and they would zoom in to your face like it was an award show, but it was a competition. Oh my God. So when people sucked, we had to like clap and pretend like we liked it because they kept <laughs> zooming in on our faces. And we were like, oh, this is amazing. That feels like so much pressure. Never sitting in the front again. Never sitting in the front <laughs> ever again. Yeah, I know. When we got there, I was like, we paid extra for this? Like, I'd rather be in the back on the side. Yeah, I want to be in the shadows. All right, well, let, let's back up a little bit. Born and raised in St. Louis? Yeah. How was that? How was St. Louis? I don't know what growing up in St. Louis is, except for what Nellie's told me. So, Well, you know, he went to the same high school as me. So I would say it's pretty accurate description. <laughs> you know, we got the arch. We got um, toasted ravioli is a big thing. Gooey butter cake. Um, we get a lot of seasons. We get four seasons. The summer is also really humid. Obviously not as humid as New Orleans, but, you know. We're a Mississippi River town. It's got a great music scene. All my family is there. And then the other side of my family is in Chicago. So I moved to Chicago when I was 19, 20, something like that, to go to school. And then I just stayed there. Yeah. Okay. 
And how was how was because Chicago is like a bigger city. Like St. Louis is like a midsize. I'd say like a midsize city, but Chicago is like you know big time. Oh yeah, and it's only four and a half hours away. But when I got there, I was surprised by how many people in Chicago. Like people literally would ask me if I lived on a farm. I was like, St. Louis is a, a city, yeah, an urban town. <laughs> I'm like, no, I didn't grow up on a freaking farm. They just thought it was so country, but they never been there. Of course not. A lot of people in Chicago got the, you know, when you don't leave the town complex. No shade to my Chicago people, but y'all got to look at the map, okay? Yeah, no, I was, you know, growing up in L.A., I was definitely one of those people that when I got to the South, when I started going to the Midwest, I definitely, you know, I was like, Midwest, they're all going to be really polite and have these like weird Midwest accents. And then people just talk normally and we're just like cool and not weird about things. And I was like, okay, uh, maybe the stereotypes are. Yeah, no, they're true for sure. (laughs) When I moved to Chicago, I was like, oh, people are really rude here. And then when I went to New York, I was like, oh, people are actually rude here. Yeah. And I was like, I love it. (laughs) <laughs> you love it uh, yeah people in yeah people in new orleans everybody talking to me it's too nice everyone's always like hello how are you doing good morning and then i gotta respond yeah it's terrible like i don't like that yeah i don't <laughs> like it but and then i can't because it's always older black people i gotta respond can't be rude yeah you know everyone's gonna know immediately from here okay <laughs> Because I ain't saying nothing back. But I'm like, I'm trying to walk. I walk at like Chicago pace. I got, I'm gay and i am got places to be. <laughs> they don't like the Chicago pace here. No, they don't like it. They don't like it. I'm trying to slow down, but when people, more people talk to you when you walk in slow. Oh, yeah. When I first moved here, I I was living in New York and I had a New York pace. And when people talked to me, I had an aggression where I was just like, what? what? Yes, that's how I feel. I feel like everybody wants something. I'm like, what you, what you want? <laughs> like, no, people are just being nice. Yeah, they're like, good morning. I'm like, I have no money. <laughs> they're like, I- yeah, immediately. No, everyone's just nice. Yeah, just I'm like, okay, well, it's weird, but sure. I'm not used to that. What did you go to school for in Chicago? I went to school for gay-ass musical theater. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yep, I sure did. I went to a liberal arts college for Yale Song and Dance. It was very, yeah, yeah, it was a very white experience. <laughs> <laughs> what did you want to do? You wanted to sing and act and dance, or you wanted to do... Yeah. All of it. Like writer. No, I wanted to I'm a musical theater girl, so I wanted to be in the musicals and choreograph musicals. I choreographed a few musicals while I was in school. Yeah, I was always making up dances. I still love to choreograph, like choreograph and stuff all the time. And you know, music I wanted to do music and theater and dance. A musical theater is basically like three majors in one. And Columbia College, Chicago, um, is open admissions. Okay. So anyone can get in that bitch. <laughs> so I was like, great. <laughs> Gonna apply. So yeah, I basically still feel like I'm doing musical theater because I am just with like more titty. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, so you're in school for musical theater. I guess, well, let's just get into it now. Like, 
when did you first start becoming interested in burlesque? When did you first decide to actually do it? And, you know, what was that experience like? Let's see. The year was 2009. I was still in school for musical theater. I was choreographing some stuff at the time. I was taking my sweet time in school because I was poor and had to, um, you know, figure it out. So I had a friend of mine, one of my besties, was starting a burlesque troupe. All the burlesque came from, like, the theater troops back then trying to do a fundraiser. They're like, we need a fundraiser. Let's do burlesque. That was what the vibe was in 2009. And they were starting to troop. Somebody had dropped out and they needed someone to, yeah, fill in. And they were like, oh, well, Jeezy, she works at a strip club. So clearly she's cool taking the top off. Down with theater. So let's get Jeezy. So then I had like a week or something to get it together. And I've been doing it ever since that day. It took over my life. But in a good way, right? It took over. Yeah, and that was in 2009. Yeah, totally in a good way. But I was still in school. And, you know, the instructors was very interesting, their reaction to burlesque. Because considering that the head of the department, he wrote his own, like, history of musical theater book called, like, No Legs, No Jokes, No Chance. Which, obviously has a lot to do with vaudeville and burlesque in its connection to theater. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in school for musical theater, y'all out here trying to do cabaret and Chicago and guys and dolls. But when I bring up burlesque, all of a sudden that's not real. Given that Chicago's Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all had us doing guys and dolls. In high school. Can we talk about that? The main, like, ladies and guys and dolls is the hotbox girls. They work at a burlesque club. They sing about taking their clothes off. So, the disconnect. Burlesque is a part of theater history, vaudeville. Strip clubs came from burlesque clubs, came from vaudeville. So, I rest my case, <laughs> everyone at Edu. Because now what? Now people got burlesque up in the schools all over the place. I always find it interesting that there's like artists that are like, you should do your art however you want. And then they're like, but not that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. So yeah, I was still doing musicals. I was still in school when I started doing burlesque. Yeah. And that was 2009. I graduated in 2010 from college. And then, yeah, I've been doing burlesque ever since. So did you stay in Chicago after college or what, mm-hmm. what was your path to, to New Orleans where you are now? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Who has time for that saga? We, um, we let's do. See, I was, I, yeah, I graduated in 2010. I stayed in Chicago, was doing musicals, doing burlesque, teaching classes. Then I moved back to St. Louis in 2012. Then I moved back to Chicago in 2014. Then in between that time, a lot of things happened like my grandma died. I had a leg injury that went on for eight months, but I didn't have health insurance. And I had to marry this person to get on their health insurance so I could have the leg surgery. Then I moved to a new apartment. And then that apartment was sold to a shitty management company and they gave us 30 days to leave. 
and my best friend's mom died suddenly, and my best friend moved to New Orleans, and I didn't have nowhere else to go. So I was like, you know what? Mine is the, clearly Chicago wants me out of here, bitch. Okay, Chicago was like, please leave. You know when you like want to break up with somebody, and so like everything they do is annoying. Like <laughs> when you breathe, and you're like. Ugh. That's was how I was feeling about Chicago. Like we needed some time apart. It wasn't going well. Yeah. And so, you know, my best friend Lola and her partner Jen had a spare bedroom. And I was like, you know what? Pack up the car, get rid of all my belongings. I'm off this bench. And I'd always wanted to live in New Orleans. And it seemed like, oh, and I had two different tarot readings. And they both were like, get the hell out of that house and go to New Orleans. And I should have listened to them because clearly they were right. That was a pretty good summary of many years and many moves and many things that happened. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it was a lot going on. The timeline was out of control. Yeah. But yeah, that's how I ended up here, which is crazy. And then it was pandemic. <laughs> and then it was pandemic like a few months later. And I was like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> can't wait. Yeah, I came here to do burlesque, and now I can't even leave yeah, my house. Now cool. I'm gonna be in the house. I like I said, I saw you years ago. I guess 2014, yeah. um, and then all of a sudden you were like living here, and I was just like, "What? That's so cool!" Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been performing here for quite a few years, popping in and out. Yeah, then I moved. It's been crazy journey. Yeah, I like thinking about all of your moves. Stresses me just thinking about packing and moving and all that stuff is so stressful and I didn't even do it. I have moved almost every year of my life. Like that's ridiculous. I, at one point I didn't even have stuff anymore. I was like, why, why have things? What's the point? Every other year I got to get rid of them. Then at one point, all my stuff was in two, three different basements across two, three states. Yeah. So now I'm happy to report. I finally got all my shit. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, t- I'm tired of moving. Yeah, I moved so much in my 20s. And sometimes when I'd move, I was like, it costs more to move this shit than this shit cost me. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's too much. But yeah, all that mm-hmm, all that brought me to New Orleans. Yeah, I was going to say, you think the lesbians, we, I'm like, I love to support you all, but I feel like I've supported them enough, you know? Yeah, we've done enough. <laughs> it's true. They should do more for us, though, don't you think? Like, there's all these stereotypes with lesbians and U-Hauls, but like, does U-Haul sponsor Pride? No, like they've. No, we should be getting a queer discount, and it should be like first relationship free if you move <laughs> in within one month. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They are missing a key marketing opportunity. That's what I'm saying. Like, I want to see, you know how they have all those, like, states and stuff on the side of the vans and trailers? I want to see two lesbians on the side of the U-Haul. Yeah. I don't even know another company. I was like, let's go to, what, like, Hertz or something and be like, Hertz, we'll we'll make the joke about you. It'll be like, what do you, yeah, what does a lesbian exactly. take on her second date? A Hertz. Like, we can, exactly. we can switch the game Ooh, up we can so go to fast. Subaru. No, we can go to Subaru. <laughs> They like yes. love Subaru for sure. But see, Subaru, I was rewatching L Word as one does, and Dana's character from the original L Word, her tennis career was sponsored by Subaru. So Subaru, <laughs> they did it. They did back us up. See, they knew. They knew. 
And now like the original L word was like for 15 years ago and we're still yeah. buying Subarus yeah, and promoting exactly. Subarus and talking about Subarus. So you know what? They, they did what they, they were supposed to do. It worked. It worked. You all didn't earn it. No, you all has not earned it. They're just like, they're gay baiting. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing it all. Watch my next episode sponsored by U-Haul. Yeah. <laughs> Give them an opportunity to get right. Exactly. So every interview that I do, I don't, um, I don't, I do them all differently. So um, I don't have like a set of questions that I ask, but I do have one question that's more like three questions that I ask in every interview because I feel like it's like the anchor of like what we're really trying to get at because the, we do this podcast because like, like I said, I've seen you perform many times. I've seen you do burlesque. I've seen you do storytelling. I've seen you host. You're funny. You're fun. Like you do all, but like, I don't know. I'm learning things about you, you know? So it's like your life beyond the stage. So I like to like learn things live. I like to not have anything in advance, but this question, I feel like it it really hits, you know, what we're trying to do here at near and queer to my heart. And it's, it's the coming out question, but we ask it a little differently Ooh, okay. because coming out, isn't just a wham, bam, we're done. We're out. Boom. Um, I think it's like a, an onion, you know, there's layers to it. There's a process. Sometimes you come out, go back in half out, you know, whatever the situation is. So the question is, when did you first come out to yourself? When did you start coming out to other people? Um, and then when did you come out in your public persona on stage? Or if you were always out on stage, what was that decision like? So pieces, layers, just like the coming out process. <laughs> okay, okay. I don't think I ever came out to myself. I don't think I ever came out to anyone around me. And I don't think I ever came out publicly. <laughs> a couple, a few years ago on National Coming Out Day, my grandma texted me and she was like, did you ever come out? I don't remember it happening. And I was like, no, not really. And she was like, okay. <laughs> like, okay. And that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> These are things I remember and know for sure. You know, I've always been surrounded by the gays. One of my earliest memory was this drag queen named Queen Laquita that my mom worked with, like giving me Christmas and birthday presents. And like, I just felt so cool because I had a friend named Queen Laquita. And my mom worked at a sex shop. So there was just all kinds of walks of life. You know, there was queer people and stuff happening, especially being in the theater and dance world, you know. But in high school... Me and my friends started the Gay Straight Alliance and Diversity Awareness Club because there were, you know, I was always with all the queer and other kids in the school. And, you know, a few of my friends went to this big camp thing called Anytown, which is all about social justice and like, you know, doing the right thing. I did not go to that, but they went. And, you know, they came back and things were different for them. And then we all started talking and we got all these people to sign up. We had 80 signatures for the Gay Straight Awareness Diversity Club. Um, And it was going to be an after school club. And one of the administrators, like a parent of somebody at the school, sent out a newsletter to all of the Black parents at the school in the district and said they were going to have a town hall meeting to shut down this gay club. And my mom and my stepdad were not having it. 
So they said, well, we're going to call the news and we're going to call the newspaper so that they can come to this town hall meeting. And basically the town hall meeting happened and this man, the person who called it literally said, your children are guaranteed to get AIDS and die. And my mom was like, how dare you stand up there? And it was like a whole big dramatic thing. They're like, you're teaching homosexuality in the classroom. And we're like, we just want to have our club. And like, basically they didn't shut it down. But so we would have these things, you know, called mix it up day and things just to try to, you know, bring awareness to diversity and queer shit. And at the time, I had a friend who I had known since I was five, and she was like huge, big old lesbian of the school. And she was really trying to like get with me. And I finally like gave in. I was like, whatever. And she was in the marching band and <laughs> I was on the dance team. And then I started getting bullied on the dance team for being a dyke, as they said. I was like, well, I'm straight, but open like that. I didn't have the word pansexual. I knew that I wasn't like a lesbian, you know, but I don't know. This was like 2002, so I didn't know. Then I started, went to a drag show, and then me and my best friend, we tried to go on a date, not because we wanted to date each other, but just because we were like, well, we're both girls, let's hold hands in public and see, you know, what happened. We just wanted to experiment. But I just remember my mom being like, oh, would you ever, like, date a woman? I was like, yeah, probably. Then that was the end of the conversation. We never really talked about it again. And then when I went to college, moved to Chicago, my friend, I met my friend Rose, and we, like, started dating. And that was, like, the first time that I had, like, dated a woman. And I was, like, grappling with, like, am I just sexually attracted to women or... Am I ready to like be in public? You know, like, am I, do I actually want a relationship? I didn't know what was going on, but then, you know, nothing ever really happened because I think I felt really insecure about not being gay enough or looking gay enough to go to places and understand how to even hit on queer people, you know, because I always had some fucking boyfriend. <laughs> oh, it's like, and I was like, uh, everybody thinks I'm straight. Okay. And it was so gross to me. Like, I hated it. <laughs> but then when I got a girl, when I had like my first like relationship with another woman in like 2014 and learned about the word pansexual and learned about all these feelings and identities, it was like a whole new world. And I don't know. I just was, my family came over and I was like, oh, this is my girlfriend, MC. And they're like, okay. And then that was. Yeah, we just never really talked about it. But then I started getting booked for all the queer things. And I was like, oh, now, now I'm gay enough and queer enough. Because I felt like, okay, well, maybe because I have a visible girlfriend that's validating my queerness, not all the years of me just being queer and in the space, you know? So that was weird. Yeah. It was weird. No, it's definitely a struggle for for a lot of folks, especially who identify somewhere on the spectrum that includes, at least appears outwardly to folks as like cis heteronormative mm-hmm. relationships. And that makes yeah. people internally question it. And externally, you're receiving that feedback from society. And it's very unfortunate, you know, and also like 
what she said about the word pansexual. Like I didn't learn that word until far later than I probably should have. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think it's really great when, when people like connect to a, a word or an identity that like that you hear it and you're like, that makes sense. And that feels right to me. Yeah. Cause I kept saying I'm straight, but that didn't even feel right. I felt like I had to say that because I always had some boyfriend and because I had never had a queer relationship who I felt like I didn't earn the title of being able to say I'm queer, which is stupid. Like I'm well aware of that now. Yeah. Well, it's easy. It's easy now to say like, Oh, that was ridiculous. But back then it was a very real, real thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And then after me and my girlfriend broke up, I was like, Oh my God, if I have a boyfriend, the queer community is going to shun me and I'll never be booked at pride again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's weird. Especially being like a burlesque performer, you already feel a race in nightlife as it is, you know. Do you? Is that a... Oh, yeah. It's like particularly in the queer world, if it's not drag, nobody cares. I feel like New Orleans, like burlesque is put on a pedestal in this. I think it's because you see it all the time. I think it's because yeah. you see it. You're too close to it. That's true. Because I sometimes perform on variety shows where I'm like yeah. on the show with the bur- I always feel bad as a comic because I like the last show I did, I did uh, Foxy Rose uh, or Foxy Monroe and Ramona mm-hmm. Rose's variety show. And I was the only comic and everybody was just getting like dollars thrown at, and we split tips. So I felt like, yeah, yeah I felt like this uh, pressure to like, but people yeah. did throw tips that night, but sometimes they don't throw t- like the comic is the opportunity to go to the bathroom or smoke a cigarette or <laughs> go outside, you know, and, and just take a break, get a drink at the bar. Like I, I always feel like I don't earn my keep in the same, like, you know, like I'm an imposter. Well, that's also the job of like, you know, the MC. You know, and the curation, but like, yeah, no, you're too close to it to know. A lot of times, you know how they always have the best of. A lot of times, you'll have best bottle service, girl, but no best of burlesque. If anything is like best MC or or performer, you ever see any burlesque people on there? No, 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 because they don't care. They don't even put the category in there. Like literally one place had, you could vote for the fucking bouncer, (laughs) but you know, the whole other half of nightlife non-exists. Yeah. Maybe I am too close. Cause for me, like I said, it's, it's a different, different vibe. Cause I, I love the art of burlesque. I think it is so beautiful and that y'all are so talented to, to do what you do. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't know how they feel about it and it's very interesting to see, especially when like the closer drag and burlesque get together, you know, in the communities mm-hmm. and industries and stages, it is interesting to to see the opinions about burlesque, especially when it's in certain venues, especially if you're the only cis femme in the queer bar. Everyone's like, why is this lady taking her clothes off? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't know. Did three other drag queens just not do the same thing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, where do you think the word reveal comes from, people? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting because New Orleans does like a lot of variety shows, which I think it's really great. But I also think it's interesting because other places like when I go other places, it's like 
it's just a burlesque show or just a drag and not even just a drag mm-hmm. it's a drag king show or a drag queen show they don't even mix mm-hmm. they don't even mix those and or yeah. it's just a comedy show and then in new orleans they're like well, we're gonna put everyone together yeah i'm used to being the only burlesque performer in a lot of other types of shows a lot of times so i feel like i get a lot of insight to what's going on over there i'm nosy <laughs> Yeah, and I wanted to ask. I know you know. I know you talked a little bit about it, but um, what you were saying in high school with the the GSA, with the Gay Straight Alliance, and and the town hall meeting and all that, like that sounds like like uh, like the movie The Prom on Netflix, which is based on a a real life story about a, a girl who wanted to take her girlfriend to prom, and that they oh. they canceled the prom, and all the parents get involved. Like this stuff is like the stuff that movies and and they actually the prom started off as a Broadway musical. What? Maybe I need to write a musical about, yeah, it was, it was traumatizing. Because you're kids and these adults are coming in and getting way too involved in your shit. Yeah. For our after school club that people willingly signed up for. I know. I'm like, don't go if you, if you're so bothered by it. Hey, don't go. You're not even, yeah. Like what your kid didn't even sign the fuck up. What do you care? Yeah. And you're not allowed to come because you're a weird adult spending too much time. Yes. So dumb. It was so dumb. Yeah. But my mom, my family was not having it. Yeah. So you had that support. They don't care what you are. Oh, yeah. I am. I'm so lucky that I don't have to like, you know, I have a lot of unwavering support from my family, whether it comes to being queer or doing burlesque or whatever. They're just like, well, just don't suck at it. (laughs) don't embarrass us yeah don't embarrass us and be do a good job but yeah they're gonna you know they're very supportive so i feel obviously so lucky and privileged to have that like i know that i didn't need to have some big coming out because i don't know i just it just didn't seem didn't seem necessary i think it's because i also felt like it wasn't valid if I hadn't publicly or actively dated another visibly queer person, you know? Yeah. And that, that can be tough. Cause it's like, it doesn't matter who you're actually intimate with. It's how you identify and people can't right. separate the sex from the identity piece of it. Yeah. It's been interesting for sure. But you said, yeah. Cause you mentioned, so your mom you said she worked at a sex shop, right? Is that? Oh yeah, I said she worked at a sex shop back in the day. She worked with a couple of them. Did you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. She was in the yeah, she was in the commercials. Oh, the local commercials. Yeah. <laughs> Would you remember the commercials? Yes. Bring a friend. Bring a lover to friends and lovers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because also she worked at this place called Cheap Tricks which was like the a sex shop on one side and the other side was like a little bar and somebody had thrashed off the one. So it said must be eight to enter. <laughs> and that was like a running joke. So they would always let me like come in with my mom and I would sit at the bar and order a Charlie Temple and just, yeah. And then like the other place she worked at my school bus, like dropped me off like at the corner and I couldn't go inside. So I had to wait outside for her <laughs> to get off work for like 20 minutes. Wait in the cove of the sex shop. But now she's always been super open. Like I remember, she also is a teen mom. So she got pregnant when she was like 17. So we're only 17 years apart. So we basically had to grow up together. But yeah, I remember her bringing home like a box 
of like stuff from the shop. I think I was like 11 or 12. And it was like a Playboy magazine that had Pamela Anderson on it. And she was like, look at how beautiful these pictures are. <laughs> she was like, make sure, you know, when you're growing, obviously when you're age, you got a hot bod, make sure you take a lot of naked pictures of your hot bod before you don't want to anymore. <laughs> and she just was like, look, he's like, I remember that she gave like my family some edible underwear for Christmas. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> she was uh, pretty open. No, I think that's great because I, yeah, I grew up, it, my parents weren't, I won't say repressed, but um, we didn't talk about sex. Yeah. Like that was not a discussion. We didn't talk about masturbation. We didn't talk about what sex means. The only talk my mom had was when she dropped me off at college. She said, um, if you get pregnant, I won't be happy about it, but I'll take, I'll help you take care of the baby. Oh, well, that's nice. And that was it. And, you know, I, Jesus. I had no further information. Um, no. So I think it's really interesting that you were brought up at like a, a younger age where this was not something hidden from you. Yeah, but here's the plot twist. Okay. <laughs> so everyone in my family like had kids when they were super young. You know, 18, between 17 and 20. And they were like, Jasmine, my name is Jasmine. I don't care if some people know that. Jasmine's going to be different. You're, she's gonna go to college and blah blah blah. She's not gonna have babies, blah blah blah. So then, when I turned 16, even though I grew up in this very sex positive like household, it was like all of a sudden it wasn't, it was sex positive and like I'm gonna give you all this information, but then you're not allowed to do it and you can't do anything until you're 18, 19 and out of, like, it was very conflicting information. I see. Like it was very much, I'm a young, cool mom. I told you to tell me anything. And then when you tell them something, then they switch to mom mode and get like mad. And it's like, okay, well now I feel duped because you just said I could tell you anything. And then when I told you, you know, it's very confusing. So like, I remember one time I got like a hickey. Yeah, I got a hickey. And I was like 16 at this point. Big fucking whoop de doo Jesus Christ. Burned down the town. What a terrible child. Like, you know, that's, I feel like that's a pretty normal thing. Of course. Yeah. Got a hickey and it was the end of the world. I'm telling you, my mom ripped down. You know how when you, all your walls are covered in all your instinct. Your Britney mm-hmm. Spears posters, like head to toe. When I say she ripped them all off the wall, my autographed Britney Spears photo. Uh, like she ripped it. Yeah, an autographed one? Yes. Well, not anymore. <laughs> and so I was like, does this really warrant this type of reaction? It felt like some projection. So then it's like, yeah, you think if I want to have sex and go on birth control, I'm going to feel comfortable talking to you about it? Because when I got a hickey, it was like, end her life. Put me under the jail. You know? Yeah. I also, like, pulling out your posters doesn't teach you a lesson. No, it just made me mad. I was like, that was petty. <laughs> I was like, that just seems like an emotional reaction that doesn't have anything to do with me. Yeah, because now I'm mad. But I've also always been an emotionally mature person, so. <laughs> I don't know. 
the way my room was set up, my posters, my like my CD collection, everything was so curated that if you would have fucked with that, I would have done the opposite or whatever because I would have just been so mad. Yeah, basically that did not work. Like, I don't think putting the person on lockdown and being like, you can't do anything ever. That does the opposite of what you think it's doing. Did you feel that pressure from your family of like, you had to be the one? Absolutely. Constantly. Still do to this day. And I know some of it is internal, you know, they're not like saying anything, you know, or doing anything right now. But Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially coming from a lot of generations and a lot of grandmas and you're the youngest one and, you know, you're special and different and you got to make it and be somebody. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's like, I also just want to be a regular teenage person who makes mistakes and like, it's okay. You know? Nope. You carry the weight of your whole family on your shoulders. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Yeah, basically. So... But you can't say that to them. They're not going to, they don't know. You can't say that. I just say it to my therapist, you know? Yeah. <laughs> not going to happen. I understand that. <laughs> What's next for G's Louise? Like what, what do you want with your career with burlesque storytelling, hosting, whatever you do? Like, like what would be your ultimate dream? I think we should let the public vote on this because I am lost in life. And I now no longer have any dreams and goals. <laughs> and I'm sorry to be so real with you, queer America. That got sad. <laughs> like, you all, do you want frills or you want the truth? The truth. Okay. Because guess what? That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to sugarcoat. I'm here to tell it like it is. It's not all sparkles and rhinestones and tip dollar bills. You know, New Orleans is difficult. Burlesque is difficult. Life is difficult and right now i'm kind of just blowing in the breeze you know like i went through a traumatic event in february and i feel like i'm kind of still bouncing back from that and now i'm reevaluating what the next things are like i could tell you about some shows that i got coming up but honestly y'all probably ain't gonna come so But I think the bigger question is, the bigger question is, what, what's next for me in this next phase of my life during this transition? And I don't really know what that is. And I think I'm trying to figure that out. Like, what do I want to do going forward? You know, maybe it's because I'm getting closer to 40. Maybe it's because I'm tired of moving. I'm tired of doing like gigs here and there. Like I know I'm definitely longing for some type of stability and security, which is non-existent in the gig economy and nightlife. So to answer that, I don't know. The door is open. We'll see. I also think that's exciting. It could be anything. Yeah, I know. But my Virgo moon is like, how do I process this? (laughs) (laughs) I like knowing. And I think this is the first time that I don't really know. And so I'm trying to like live in that, but not get lost in that. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I'm a Gemini with a Scorpio moon. So I'm like, let's light some fucking fires. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just kind of right now. I'm just kind of floating. I'm just like, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think that's probably just where I need to be right now. Yeah. So I'm still, I'm going to be burning up stages. Come see me at the Always Lounge. 
Come follow me on Facebook because I'm always talking something about something. See me on the gram. Come for a dollar. But, you know, as for the next phase, I don't know. It's a wild card, so we'll see. I can't wait to see it because I know you're going to come up with something really fucking cool and different and it's going to come to you or you're going to, you know, have a realization or some magical moment. And it's, it's going to be exciting. And and I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. I am excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And I think that is a good place to, to wrap this up before we go down too many more rabbit holes. Um, (laughs) But thank you. Thank you for taking the time out. And if you want to, I know you mentioned your social media, but if you want to let people know what your usernames are so people can find you. Oh, okay. So my name is Jeez Louise and I swear to freaking God, I'm going to spell it for you people. And if you like, I don't know what else to do for you. It's spelled the way it is. It's spelled this way on Instagram. It's spelled this way on my website. It's spelled this way on Facebook. So any other spelling that you're making up is not my problem, okay? It's J-E-E-Z-L-O-U-E-E-Z. One more time. That's G's. J-E-E-Z. Louise, L-O-U-E-E-Z. It's spelled phonetically, okay? You can go G'sLouise.com, at G's everywhere. Maybe I'll let you on my Twitter, but it's been on lockdown because Twitter is trash now. Yeah, well, it's not even Twitter. You got to go exit some. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. I'm not saying that. Don't you stretch your dirty mouth. We're not saying that. Because it's just like, oh, did you tweet that? No, did you X that? Like, it doesn't even. I'm not Xing nothing. I'm Xing X is what I'm doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, follow me. Come give me money and all words of affirmation. Memes. I love it. Gifts, memes, but take it all. <laughs> yeah, all of it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jeez. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, queers. I'll see y'all around. Thank you to our guest, Jeez Louise, for sharing her world with you. Special thank you to Ryan Golub for creating our theme song. Find us on social media. We would love to hear from you on X or whatever Twitter is called now at Queer to My Heart, at Instagram and Facebook at Near and Queer to My Heart. Also, if you're on Apple Podcasts, just give us some love, five star review. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Near and Queer to My Heart. Thank you. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.